Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. You know where to get us. Live now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit and youtube.com slash at Pride of Detroit. Multi-stream, multi-faceted, multi-unilateral combat podcast for the best sport on earth, NFL, for the best team in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. I don't have to provide citations. I'm not under the Chicago uh, system here. One man who might be under the Chicago system, I'm going reverses now, is Ryan Matthews. Black is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD. What is it? Is it Chicago uh, citation system for you, Ryan, or MLA? How do you how do you do it? MLA. MLA. Yeah, all day. Mm-hmm. MLA like all say. day. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of your assessments at the top. Best sport. Maybe, arguably, I don't know. There's a really good sport going on in Detroit right now that you're not too big a fan of, but I don't. That's okay. That's that's fine. (laughs) I don't think it's a sport. I don't think it's a sport. You want to bring back that argument? You want to bring back that discussion? Uh, Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online, is usually who we introduce first in here. And I, hi, hi, Jeremy. Hi. We get Hi. we get to we get to talk about breaking news today. That doesn't always get to happen on the main POD cast. Usually, it happens after the POD cast. That's right. Usually, it happens directly after. Then we all look like jerks. Uh, and I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. What we're going to do on this POD cast today is discuss the combine. The combine comes up here on Thursday. We all have some players we want to watch. Uh, We're going to be talking about what we expect to see out of the combine and really in general also talk about if the combine is still a meaningful vehicle towards preparing and looking and evaluating players for scouting purposes. But we do want to start with the news, as we always do in the offseason and right hot off the presses, as Jeremy alluded to. Jalen Reeves Mabin is back with the Detroit Lions. I did say last podcast I didn't expect to see really much changes at all to the linebacker room. And I think this cements it coming out that the Lions have a con- have agreed to a contract extension with Jalen Reeves Mabin. It's a two year, seven point five million dollar deal worth up to a max of eight million. And I believe about just north of five million, about five and a quarter million is is guaranteed on that contract, including a two point five million dollars signing bonus. It's uh, record numbers for a special teamer, Jeremy. However, uh, those we talked about Jerem's special teams numbers, and he is still a key contributor to the depth of the linebacker core with the Detroit Lions all the same. So. How do you break this down for the Lions, the money with everything? We also got the news this past week. that The salary cap is going up astronomically. So this is, I think, kind of the very the uh, the appetizer to what could be quite a few eye watering extensions as Lions try to take care of their core. Yeah. And I don't 
people might look at this contract and, and, and think it's a lot for a special teamer. And, and maybe that's true. And and the way it was reported, as you said, as you alluded to, is record breaking special teamer deal. Um, I think that's the poor way that it's being framed because Jalen Reeves Mabin is a good linebacker. Like he's not going to start for you, but he was kind of an essential player down the stretch. If you look at his just his snap counts from week 12 on, it's over 10 every single game except for the last one in which he got injured against the 49ers. So he was averaging about 14 snaps per game on defense. So to call him just a special teamer, I think is not doing him full service and not to mention like he's an important piece in, in case there is an injury, in case he has to start. He has starting experience here in Detroit. He's capable of of doing stuff that other linebackers aren't particularly as a coverage guy, he's their best coverage linebacker, which is why he got as much playing time as he did, particularly on third down. So um, I think this is one of the easier, easier decisions the Lions had to make. In, in fact, it was it was surprising. I think we all thought um, a couple of years ago when he wasn't brought back after I think he had one year with Dan Campbell. They No, that's not true. They didn't resign him as soon as Dan Campbell took over. That was a little bit surprising at the time they brought him back last year. Um but, you know, they were in a different spot in terms of their cap health back then. I think I think they were kind of penny pinching a little bit back in 2021. And so when they had the opportunity to bring him back, they did. And now that they're in a very good, healthy cap situation and they have maybe a little bit of that extra money because of the cap increase, I think this was pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, made his uh, what first Pro Bowl team this year, was second team All-Pro, yep. uh, led special teamers and tackles this season, which is one stat that, it doesn't really translate to defense. Like, you know, just because you have 140 tackles doesn't mean you're a great defender. But I think on special teams, it does mean something. It means like you're getting to the ball first. And if you're making tackles on special teams, I think that's more uh, indicative of, of of a good player. Um, I, real quick with Jerm, he did play in 2021 with Detroit. And then he went oh, to Houston. Yeah. Okay. And, and then he came back. But I, I think still all the same, like seeing him walk out of the door for a team that loves players like Jalen Reeves Maven, right? Like just screams like professional dude yep. who does whatever is asked of him and does it at a high, does it at a high level, especially on special teams. Like, I mean, he played a lot in 2021 and to see him not come back. Remember he got that big deal from Houston. Remember yep. Houston, Houston broke him off with a, with a and nice thing. And they cut him after one year. Like he, he signed a two year deal, didn't he? Yeah. I, but I mean, I mean, the Texans yeah. were a mess anyways. I mean, they, they, yeah, Miko Ryan's coming in, you know, all, <laughs> yeah. all that changeover and everything for sure. But um, the the other thing about Germ, I mean, emergency quarterback, <laughs> one for one, 31 yards. But I mean, that speaks There's to someone who can make a throw, how much they trust him. Like he had sure, to take yeah. over that personal protector role this year because yeah. CJ Moore got suspended. And so he's kind of like the new CJ Moore. That's how essentially he is. And remember the lions handed CJ Moore a pretty big special teams deal last off season before the suspension. So we know this team values special teams and, and Jalen Reeves maybe is now the face of that. And now that uh, I'm assuming they're not going to bring back CJ. Moore. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect <laughs> that. either. One person who's also not going to be back is lions DB Tracy Walker. Um, we I don't think it's official yet, Jeremy, but the way he's been posting and the way the Lions it is, it is official they, now. The Lions yep. did yep. make it official. Okay. Yep. Because I was about to say I saw the Instagram post from Tracy Walker, but I don't think at the time it was official, but it definitely was thanking the city of Detroit, the Lions, the organization. But this was the way it was going to go. So Lions, uh, and again, near the end, Tracy Walker not really seeing the field much, but still kind of a bummer for someone who had a very good uh, year and a half or so, who really you kind of expected to still be part of this team. And 2023, like we talked about it, Jeremy, that DB room is uh, shaking up quite a bit uh, to the point where we might even see some free agency decisions that might be a little, uh, little confusing for some people. But Tracy Walker definitely was one of those who found himself on the outside looking in as the Lions kind of cemented on this idea of uh, Fatumela Fonwu and Brian Branch and then CJ Gardner Johnson coming back, Kirby Joseph, just Harris, just. I'm sorry, Walker, Walker, excuse me, just find himself on the outside. Yeah, it's it's a crappy story. Um, it wasn't unexpected. You know, I, I even talked about this on, on several podcasts like it just th there was no way he was going to carry around the 12 million cap hit on on the bench 
you know, he was he was inactive for the entire playoffs. He not even just benched. He was inactive. He wasn't eligible to play in any of those games as a healthy player. So there's no way he was going to stick around unless he was going to take a pay cut. And knowing everything I know about the situation, that wasn't going to be in the cards. Um, he probably views himself as a player still capable of starting. And I think maybe he is. Um, I, I, I think that's what he's going to be seeking in, in the offseason. And um, there there really wouldn't be any reason for him to take a pay cut to be a backup here. That's not where he's going to progress his career in the final year of his three-year deal that he signed um, a couple of years ago. So not a surprising move. It, it is a bummer, particularly because this is a guy that when he signed that extension in 2022, um, the idea was he was going to be a, a clear guy, like a, a leader. We had that speech that we saw him give Tracy Walker right after he signed the extension of like, this is your team now. Like sh- show us, show everyone around here what, what we're made of. And, um, you know, three, three games later, he he tears his Achilles and and that just kind of sets him on an entirely different path. And um, it's, it's a stark reminder of how quickly things can change in this league with players, with expectations, with the future. Um, and so unfortunately he's kind of the model of things can go South very quickly for a guy that you thought was part of your core. Um, but you know, the lines are that they're in a decent place, at, at least in terms of their starting safeties, but they, they do have some other decisions they're going to have to make when it comes to building out their depth there. And, and I think Jeremy, that some people might see this and, and hear what you just said in terms of, you know, Tracy Walker is a guy who probably views himself as capable of going to play somewhere else and and not yeah. just be on a roster and not just play special teams, but maybe go play defense and, and get defensive snaps at safety somewhere else. Um, but I, I think Lions fans might see that and wonder, well, you know, Tracy was clearly beloved here. You know, you just mentioned the conversation that him and Dan had right before the contract stuff. I mean, it's one of Brad's first big contract extensions he does while he's in-house. Like, yep. that all, all up until the Achilles thing, right? Like, Tracy Walker is going to be a fixture on your defense. He's one of your foundational pieces. And like you said, the Achilles happens. But we saw in the past like Charles Harris take a you know renegotiation and and uh Romeo Aquara take a contract nego- renegotiation you just wonder why maybe that wasn't in the cards uh especially for a player that it seemed like they had such a good relationship with um not saying that you know all things were going to work here right like there wasn't a clear path to Tracy playing a lot of snaps on defense and maybe he is a guy who i think you've come to the conclusion that he just thinks he's a guy who can you know, rebound and maybe put a good year of defensive tape out there and then get another contract. Because, I mean, he's certainly not, I mean, he's he's, he's older, but he's not like, you know, past the point of maybe bouncing back. It would be, it'd be surprising considering it was an Achilles injury, but rooting for the guy. Love Tracy Walker. What a a great dude. Uh, Let's see what else we have here as far as re-signings. Michael Badgley back again on a one-year deal, Jeremy. Yep, uh, we don't know the contract terms of that one yet, but I would not imagine it's a very high deal. In fact, Brad Holmes talked to 97.1 Ticket on Monday morning and basically said, like, yeah, we're comfortable with him as as our kicker, but just like every position, we're going to have competition. So this is not this is not Michael Badgley has re-earned the starting position. This is you are a contender again, and let's see if you can win out yeah. in uh, in a training camp battle this year. I kind of expect them to bring in some competition uh, at, at some point. I do think, however, that I, I don't know, like we, we've I think we've already done this argument already through the offseason, like Badgley is someone that they at least trust enough to keep like bringing back and trying to figure out what they have. But it is now a one year deal for him. Um, but I think it does throw out a lot of the questions about how much does Dan Campbell trust Badgley to make that kick during a lot of games like we've seen him make the kicks. It is a little bit overblown, I think, sometimes just because I think people want to at least believe there is a uh, a reason, a, a a practical reason for me going as much on fourth down decision that isn't stemming from we just want to be aggressive. It's coming from a place of I don't know if the Lions want to trust their kicker. And that was always kind of a small subplot that was going on. I didn't really. I, don't, I never bought it either. I didn't buy it either. But like, I think some people. I've seen fans split on this move because the reputation of Badgley is so mixed. And I think sometimes that narrative did hurt his reputation a bit. I'm not expecting him to be Justin Tucker, but Ryan, we've seen him hit 
I think I pulled up his his card like he's hit 50 plus yarders and like so. But the belief is that if it's from more than 45, he can't hit it. But in the past two years, I think from 40 to 49, it was 10 made on 12 attempts and from 50 plus two made on three attempts. That's good for any kicker. I, I think people saw him kick the field goal against the Rams in the, in the wild card round and said like, oh, okay. like 54 yards, yeah. They, yeah. they, they do trust the guy, and, and maybe he does have a little bit of leg to him. Um, again, I don't think that the, the plays in the NFC championship game had much to do with whether or not they trusted Badgley or not. I think it had more so to do with how Dan Campbell was just approaching that game in general and how he typically approaches games. Um, I, whatever. I mean, just keep on bringing in kickers. Like th- this is, this is the curse though. And like, we talked about this when the lions moved on from Matt Prater, it's like you have a kicker until you don't have one. And then when you don't yeah. have one, it's, it's just about as damn hard as finding a quarterback that you would want to stick with. Like how many, yeah. how many kickers stick with the same franchise, like their entire careers? Like it's very far and few in between. Yeah. Um, and even, you know, even, you know, excluding guys like Vinatieri, right. Who go in and moonlight elsewhere late in their career but it's um is it if but you is don't it new, have one it, it sucks <laughs> is it a new, i think maybe it might just be a new feeling for lions fans like if you stuck around this team long enough we went like before prater it was jason hansen forever oh, like well. lions don't usually sit here like thinking about lions fans don't usually have to sit around thinking like all right who's going to be our kicker it's kind of it's actually been one place jeremy where there's been a lot of consistency through the years yeah. And and yeah, like there I, I get the consternation about not having one and, and it is frustrating when when extra points aren't necessarily automatic and, and you'll occasionally get a, a miss from like 38 yards. But you don't win this league by kicking field goals. Just go for it anyways. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and listen, like I hope they eventually find someone that, that they can trust and that we don't have to play this roulette game that they've been playing since Prater left town. but. If if that's the one spot that the line, I mean, the Lions are are struggling with, they're going to be okay. They were well, okay last. We mentioned it a little bit, and I think this deserves talking a little bit more as we kind of prepare to do our deeper dive into the combine here in a second. But I just want to circle back around. We mentioned the salary cap, excuse me, the salary cap going up way above uh, early estimates, up to uh, 255.4 million, which is. I think the estimate, Jeremy, was something like 245 million, so 10 million higher. Uh, I've seen a lot of explanations as for why. Um, I don't think it was because of Taylor Swift, first off, but <laughs> for people asking. But I do think that it's just more of a sign that this sport is just so far and away dominant and commands so much power on on live broadcast terrestrial television still that it's just more it earns it earns more and more of that that market share every year to an astronomical level and it's at least being passed along to what teams can do with their salary cap so i then take this and look to what does it really mean for the detroit lions and i think that's pretty obvious right now jeremy they've we talked about it last week like there's a lot of big free agency decisions extensions the lions have to do we talked about amon ross st brown everyone's awaiting what's going to happen with Jared Goff and his numbers. Um, But it's just, it's more money for teams to play with. And I think that's always a a good thing. And just to Matt, like it's a good thing. It, it, it gets people off guard sometimes because like, Oh my God, you're giving out this much money for a wide receiver. You're giving out this much money for a quarterback. It's like, yeah, because the market kind of inflated inflation, 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 essentially. Um, And yeah, and and it's important to always point out with this, like everyone's like, oh, my God, the Lions have 10 more million to spend now. It's like, okay, but so does everybody else. Like that's it's not just the Lions getting this advantage. So when the news broke, I was trying to think how how it impacts Detroit. I'm like, well, my first inclination is like maybe this allows them to to sign an extra guy in house that maybe they didn't plan on it or, you know, be a little bit more malleable with agents and say, you know what, if if Jared Goff wants 50 million instead of 49 million, okay, we can afford that now or, you know, things like that. Um, all internal stuff because externally all, you know, the, the rising tide raises all boats type of thing. Um, but it's interesting because when Brad Holmes talked about it again on the radio this morning, he was like, and I'm, I'm very loosely paraphrasing here. He's basically saying like, 
we already had the internal stuff earmarked. We we kind of knew our budget of what we were going to do in, internally. This maybe offers us an opportunity externally saying, okay, maybe we can sign more one more guy. Or when we're looking at one position, maybe one more guy now becomes available that we thought might be too pricey. And that to me is kind of interesting, right? Because I don't think anyone really expects the Lions to go for the top guy in any category because that is just not how the Lions have operated. And and Brad Holmes continually says, like, we aren't a team that's trying to win headlines in March. We're trying to win championships in, in December and January and February. Um, and so while the Lions probably still aren't going to be that team that gets the very top guy, like they might edge pretty close to the top guy. I mean, they, they got Cam Sutton last year, which was, you know, top three or four guy at his position in, in, in free agency last year. So maybe one more guy that they thought wasn't going to be available economically is now economically available. And then the other thing, and I think it was Eric who kind of put this in my ear a little bit. I think one of the things that I think the lines benefit for um, with, with the salary cap increase too this year in particular is they have kind of a lot of dead money um, with the Tracy Walker release with some of these voided years that, that, that have now been officially voided. Um, you could kind of absorb that hit a little bit better. And I'm not saying like Brad Holmes was a clairvoyant and he knew it was going to jump 30 million this, this off season, but it certainly softens the landing and, and makes him look kind of smart. Um, knowing that that dead money is essentially just covered by, by an, an unexpected raise of, of the salary cap. Hey, the salary cap still very real though. Like I, I just saw the breaking news. I mean, teams are starting to restructure and, and release guys right now, but um this would be an interesting name. Like I need to do a little bit more research, but Carl Granderson, uh, edge rusher for the Saints, signed a big contract extension in September of 2023. Uh, it was, I think it was the second largest uh, extension that an undrafted player had ever signed in NFL history. Uh, he had a really good year for the Saints, but they had to cut him because they could save $7.2 million. Um, the Saints and, situation uh, is almost fairly unique in just how badly they've I had to pay this him. Piper too. I think they converted his salary. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. They could. Oh, oh, salary cap clearing continues. They converted it. I was like, why yeah, the yeah. hell would they cut this guy? Yeah. But yeah, anyways, no, no. <laughs> yeah. No, look, the Saints. They still have to do stuff with their salary cap. I was like, why did they cut Carl Granderson? He had like a career year. <laughs> look at me being adequate, Chris. You can take the night off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not going to take the night off because I've got to tell people about meat, Ryan. I've got to talk about meat. I've got to talk about righteous felon craft jerky. I'm holding the bag wrong for the not visual medium. It's oh, real. You got it's it. back again. I got a whole box over here. I'm not going to show you over here. I've got the uh, soul survivor. I've got my actually what I should have grabbed is the truffle. bill, the truffle jerky, which is fantastic. I have a friend from especially when it's fresh right out of there. <clears throat> so good. But it's the official jerky of the Pride of Detroit podcast. And it's the jerky, the beef jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions because righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities of Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky, like the bag of fowl capone, turkey jerky infused with basil and, uh, and pepper and other spices has 16 to 20 grams of protein. And each stick, they have uh, meat sticks. It's like uh you know, Slim Jims, uh, eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. They're based in West Westchester, Pennsylvania, excuse me, using locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, prides themselves in superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors like many of those I just offered. I mean, mentioned that just go beyond your stereotypical jerky offering. I'm getting questions from our international fans on how to get this stuff. I do think you can send jerky internationally. So I'm already helping a friend in uh, the Netherlands try to get their hands on this stuff. That's just how far and wide this, this, uh, this racket goes, Ryan. Yum. Meat. We're going to make the meat even better. 15% off your order. Use it at righteousfelon.com. Use the promo code POD15 at checkout. That's POD1515 at righteousfelon.com. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, the NFL Combine is already underway. Players are already beginning to arrive in Indianapolis. 
Drills are going to start on Thursday. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about first off what we're expecting to hope hope to hear from the Lions from uh, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell about the combine coming up here. But also, is it a good way for us to still evaluate the draft? And also, some players I think we all expect that we really want to see at the combine stuff that we think can probably help their stock or that we just have questions about them. We just, we all have, we have a list here of players. Hopefully there'll be a guide for you as a Lions fan watching the combine because God knows they made this a made for TV event now. And we'll give them to you next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride to Detroit POD cast. We got a lot coming this week. We're going to talk to a uh, CFL expert. I did not realize I would ever say those words out of my mouth about um, bets and about a uh, Lions who hosted a CFL rookie of the year, Quantes Stiggers, who is actually top 30 visit. He's going to be eligible for the uh, NFL draft. Jeremy was explaining in the break why he's draft eligible, and I think that's something we'll dive into on that first bite. Um, so there's a lot we kind of left on the bone as far as news this week, but we do want to move on to the NFL combine. I struggle sometimes to see why the combine is still um, important sometimes, but I do think there is a value, Jeremy, in getting guys on the field and having an apples to apples comparison in the form of these these times and specific drills. I understand more guys pull out, more guys stop participating, but. Just at least having that baseline benchmark and seeing things outside of of just the tape still has some use. And it lets our friend Kentley Platty put out his amazing RAS uh, scorecards as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not all that interested in the drills. I never really have been because I think film trumps all. But it is nice to have like an easily digestible athletic score, see what they're good at in terms of long-term speed, short-term speed, explosion, all that sort of stuff. All that's nice. But I think, I think Brad Holmes put it best this morning when he said like the NFL combine is for checking boxes athletically in general, everything we see on the field is going to match what we, what we already knew about them. And if it doesn't, then that's an opportunity for it to go back. But the real value for it for, for teams are and and unfortunately as as media members and and fans we don't get this kind of aspect of the NFL combine it's the player interviews that is where in particularly a team like the Lions who have a very strict culture you know guidelines those interviews are everything and there's a reason why when the Lions do their behind the den type of thing they show a lot of those clips from the NFL combine because that is why I mean, that's why teams are in attendance. There are some teams that, that don't attend anymore, but I think that's what they're mainly missing out is that character evaluation that you get from those interviews. And so that's kind of what I think I'm going to kind of take from the, the combine a little bit more. Like I can read a spreadsheet in terms of how fast they are, how long they are, all that sort of stuff. But I want to pay attention to the media sessions of these players. I want to pay attention to... How are they reacting on the field in between drills? Are they are they rah-rah guys that are encouraging everybody? Are they taking to coaching tips? Are are they are they invested? Are they are they paying attention when it's not their turn? Those are kind of like the intangible stuff that I think the lines are going to pay attention to. And I think that's kind of more of the value than just like, okay, he ran this in the 40. Okay, he has this, you know, his arm length is this. Like those are important guidelines, but they're not. They're not what I think should be these teams' primary focus when it comes to evaluating these players at, at a limited event like the combine. 
What do you think of the combine, Chris? Are you just mad that it's still in Indianapolis? I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think I just get kind of annoyed by how much love Indianapolis gets. It's like, oh, this is cute. And it's like but the big value of the combine in Indianapolis is still that everything's kind of just in one place, right? It's near yeah. the convention center. It's close to the airport. We're going to hear about Elmo's again and everyone will go home happy. So like I I take a, I think, again, there's more value. I think that there's more value in the drills than Jeremy is alluding to. But in that we at least have the baselines to work with. But I do think it's something that's been challenged recently as far as how valuable these are, especially as kids put more emphasis on their pro days from their universities, which is kind of a struggle for the NFL because they clearly want to make the combine part of their calendar. They, they clearly want this on TV. They want to, they wanted to try to sell tickets for this thing. And they wanted several times to move it out of Indianapolis and have it as a traveling circus, like the draft, which used to always be in New York. And they hit upon the inspired idea that the, the draft is going to move around the country. They want to do the same thing with the combine. So it kind of feels like on one hand, the league wants to put emphasis on it because they want to sell it. But at the same time, our particular like professional side of the NFL that actually has the scout, the scouting part of the combine is putting less and less emphasis, at least in the traditional stuff that goes on for for television. Just a hard one to figure out, Ryan. It is a hard one to figure out, but you know what's not going to be so hard to figure out? These prospects that we're about to talk about that we're excited right. to see at the Combine. And I do want to see certain things on the field from some of these guys because I feel like they are. It, it's always funny because I feel like we find stories each year, Jeremy, on like guys who weren't on our radars or we talk about improving their stock of the Combine. And that is mostly narrative, but it's still fun narrative to dive into. And we've all picked out two different uh, four players total for each of us two on offense, two on defense, who I think we want to see that we're either we want to watch for various reasons. Either we think their stock could rise. We want to see how they will impress either in those those meetings or off the field, like Jeremy's talking about, or even just a, a, a 40 yard time or whatever on the field in the drills. So I think we should start an offense, Jeremy, and just kind of get right into it. Top of my list right now is probably the best pure guard in this draft for me, and that's Christian Haynes out of the University of Connecticut. I'm trying to find my card right here on him right now, actually. Um, I got it, but he's, you know, there's a lot of other guys who are kind of across the board, but with Jonah Jackson probably not being back with the Lions, Graham Glasgow probably, question mark, we have to see still. There is a need for interior interior offensive lineman Christian Haynes right now you know about six foot a little under six foot three a little under 320 pounds about a over 80 inch wingspan or so but he's um I mean not a lot of people are watching Connecticut football but he had a very dominant senior bowl performance and his stock has been nothing but rising right now from being just a two-star recruit coming out of high school and turning into what was it? I think he was a redshirt senior, Ryan, like played a played a while in, in college and now finally coming out. It's something I've wanted to see. And I think it could probably be a day two target for the Detroit Lions just has to impress here again. It's I want the apples to apples right now. And unfortunately, linemen are like last day up in the combine. But for the Lions, probably a very important day all the same. Yeah, uh, just from you throwing his name out there and, and, and me doing a little bit of digging on him, I, th I think one of the things that's maybe most impressive about him is that, um, you know, UConn canceled their uh, 2020 season for, for COVID reasons, but he I, Haynes started 49 straight games. I mean, that's the type of stuff that you love to see from offensive linemen, especially interior offensive linemen is toughness and durability, and we know how much that counts for this you know, organization and their coaching staff and, and, you know, how much the health of their players along the interior of that offensive line has been shaky <laughs> to say the Just least over the past, like three years. So a guy who could a really durable uh, guy would help. Yeah. Yeah. Just someone in college who had a lot of knockback power, a lot of power to like push that line, which is exactly what the lions want in their run game. So who do you have, Ryan? Oh, all right. Yeah. My or, first uh, should I do my second one? Um, no. Let's, no, we yeah, can go let's round table. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, let's, let's do it round. Okay. 
Um, so uh, I have a player for you that's more fun than a guard. Uh, it's wide receiver <laughs> Keon Coleman from Florida State. I think he's a really interesting name for a Lions team that finds themselves at a bit of a crossroads. Like Josh Reynolds makes all the sense in the world. Um, I think it's going to be a situation this offseason, though, personally. And, and I have no I have no understanding of whether or not Josh Reynolds would want to come back to Detroit in the sense that like he like loves it here. It seems like he does. Right. But like it seems very much akin to DJ Shark and Josh Reynolds has an opportunity to maybe go get a, a bigger contract and a bigger role and, and more opportunities somewhere else, um, because clearly those opportunities sort of went away as Jameson Williams got worked into the offense. But if Josh Reynolds doesn't come back, I think that leaves the Lions in a bit of a lurch uh, in terms of maybe wide receivers for the future, right? I mean, they have Antoine Green that they drafted, you know, Cleef Raymond still under contract, but like the, not exactly a young player, right, Jeremy? Donovan Peoples-Jones, who knows what the Lions are going to do there. Keon Coleman would be a guy who he would probably have to be picked 29 if he's there. Um, maybe he sneaks into the second day of the draft, but he's just an incredible wide receiver. And this has nothing to do with the fact that he played for Michigan state. Um, <laughs> if you see, like, I mean, he's a highlight real player. He's yep. a big body guy. He's six, four. Um, he's not a separator, but I think that's what we love about Josh Reynolds, not a separator, but good at the catch point contested yep. catches, um, you know, making making plays in the red zone. I think that's something that the Lions offense like lacks in terms of their wide receivers, right? Like it seems like, hey, we have to run a rub route or something creative for Amon Ra or Laporta, or we have to get super creative. They don't have a guy that they can just not that I'm advocating for uh, you know, just jump ball plays in the uh, in the end zone, Jeremy. But Keon Coleman would seem like he he could factor into the Lions needs in the here and now and and going forward as well. I I definitely think wide receivers need to be to be clear. Yeah, like what be, even yeah. what Josh whether Josh Reynolds signs or not, wide receiver is very much uh might just, a potential need. Might not be a first round need, but no, but I, I, like, I agree. If Keon I think Coleman if Keon Coleman is there and based on everything that I know right now, which is very little, I don't think he's gonna be there. I I think he goes higher than than twenty nine. But if he's there, like I think he's absolutely someone you consider. Um I also listed a wide receiver that I'm kind of fascinated by. It's more of a mid round guy, uh, Xavier Leggett out of South Carolina. And I'm kind of fascinated because I did a little bit of research on him and every, like the opinions on this guy are all over the damn place. Some people think he could be a a, a round two pick. Some people think he could fall into deep, 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 uh, day three conversations. He's got size. He's 6'1", 217, so he fits that X role. He's been a captain, which is going to be a bit of a theme between the guys that I'm picking because, again, I do think that character is going to play a big part. I know that character is going to play a big part. But this guy had almost no production through the first four years at South Carolina, and he absolutely blew up last year. 1,255 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, the, the the thing I'm looking for, though, is, is his speed because long-distance speed, he's got it. He was clocked in at 22.3 miles per hour, and we know how much the MPH matters to Brad Holmes. But it's the short distance stuff that he lacks. He's, he's again, he's also not much of a separator. I would say his route running is is a little bit lackluster. So, like, if I'm paying attention to the drills, I'm looking at like the shuttle for him. I want to see how much change of direction he has. I want to see the the ten split, the twenty split of his forty yard dash. How can how quickly can he get that mo- motor moving? Because I think he struggles in his release, and so. Again, good with contested catches. He's got pretty decent hands. I know he had one bad drop at the Senior Bowl, but he's a guy that, like, he's got some really interesting physical attributes. I think he, there are some similar similarities to what he does um, to Jamison Williams, but he's got stronger hands. I think he's more of a, phys- he uses his physicality a little bit more because he's way bigger than Jamison Williams. He's 217. Um so I, I'm I'm very intrigued with him, and I'm I'm, I'm hoping he puts up some intri- some better short distance uh, speed numbers. I'm going deep for my next one too. I almost feel like this guy could be a day three pick, maybe late day two. But and Jeremy, I I might be going a little wild here, thinking about tight end two as a need. 
Lions. Um, I'm not sure what to uh, remind me. I, I've completely blanked, but uh, Brock Wright is not back with this. Not yet. He, I, I can't remember if he's a restricted free agent or a regular free agent, but either way, he still needs to be resigned. And he still needs to be resigned. A, a we don't know what's going to happen with Shane Zilstra, but not like Shane Zilstra was seeing any real need. And we've yet to see James Mitchell really pan out to much of it. So, like, I'm looking at Arizona's Tanner McLaughlin, who, uh, you know, I, I've seen comps to him to like Kate Otten. Um, he, he took a while, like he, he really wanted to play at Arizona. He ended up, um, I think he ended up being a uh, transfer. He went to, he started with Southern Utah, tore his ACL, but then uh, ended up going over and walked on to Arizona because he wanted to, he wanted to play for Arizona just really badly. So already someone who's just, he knows what he wants. He goes out there and just has doesn't mind that kind of challenge in it. And it ended up being a second team, all pac 12 player. Um, the ACL is an issue, but I think that also kind of fits a Brad Holmes, you know, MO of targeting players who sure. maybe there's a little few dings on the box, but I think what separates him right now, he's, he's a fairly developed blocker uh, probably needs to still improve a little bit in the area, but someone not, not a tight end who just can't block. He's someone who can line up in lines up in line and he's uh, quick, he's tall, he's got long arms, um, knows how to find openings in zone coverage. Like it, this is a guy who I think that, well, not a particular strong development of need. If he performs well and posts very good athletic scores, this could be someone that the Lions just take to add another piece to the arsenal and seems to fit a lot with, you know, the care you, you talk about character. Jeremy, and it feels like Tanner McLaughlin is someone who could be a good chance to blow away certain teams with with interviews Could be a high, high character guy and has the traits to really succeed at doing both blocking and pass catching as a tight end. Let's throw it back into reverse. So we'll go back to Jeremy this time. Well, I'm going to go back to the offensive line with my next pick, and I'm kind of going the opposite route of instead of finding a late round sleeper. I am talking about a guy that the Lions are going to have to trade up to get. And why am I talking about that with an offensive lineman? Because I'm wild like that. That's why. I'm going to go with Oregon State offensive tackle slash guard. That's the bucket I'm putting him in. He was the right tackle at Oregon State. Talisa Fuaga. Uh, this guy was the best run, Blake, run blocker in football. He's an absolute mauler. He's got the athleticism required for the Lions scheme in terms of getting those guys out in space and running to me, I think he, he projects as a guard and that might lower his value a little bit to maybe where he slips a little bit closer to the line. So they don't have to shell out their entire draft capital to get there. But man, he is an extremely fun guy to watch again. Another captain Jeff Schwartz loves him and Jeff Schwartz knows Pac-12 football and he knows offensive line football. I watched his whole video on him and yeah, it's easy to see why you would love a guy like that because I mean, we know this team wants to run the ball. That's what they want to do. That's their identity. And so if you let Jonah Jackson go, this guy slips into left guard and you have him and Frank next to each other. Like you can run left and you can run right now because you got Panay on the right. You got this guy on the left. That to me is like, if if you thought the run game was good now, wait until you see Talisa Fuanga on the Lions offensive line. Again, realistic, is this team going to trade up and graft, draft a guard or a guy who can play tackle? Probably not. But, he's but just, maybe. But maybe. Brad yeah, Holmes. You know, right. Brad Holmes, maybe, crazy like a fox. And maybe you play him guard for a couple of years, and then once once Taylor Decker is done, you move Panay to left, and, and you move Fuaga to right. Like This gives you some really interesting options down the line, and the there's always like one bread, bad Brad Holmes quote that sticks with me throughout the entire offseason. And this year it was when he was asked about the offensive line. His response was that'll be in an area that will not be overlooked. They are going to address their offensive line in this draft. And it wouldn't surprise me if they just do it at 29. It probably surprised me a little bit if they traded up and do it. But if they love this guy, this guy, and I have every reason to believe they would fall in love with this guy for everything that he does on the field and off really interesting idea. Yeah. I mean, that is not, that is not Panay Sewell's cousin, Bec but we are about to talk about him. I believe 
I, I think we are. Um, <laughs> friend, friend of the show, Ben Raven. I know he uh, slotted this player to the to Lions in his mock draft, but uh, Washington Husky offensive tackle, Troy. Uh, let me make sure I'm getting the pronunciation right because I know it's important on the show and in all things. So, uh, Fautano. Fautano, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think what's interesting, and I, I won't take up too much of the air, but I think the idea here is maybe some tackle guard versatility. Uh, you have a guy who could potentially slot in and, and play guard to begin his career with Taylor Decker um, not getting any younger. There's always the, there's always the thought of the succession plan and whether that's moving Panay from right to left or getting somebody who can just fill in to left because Panay is so good on the right side and doesn't matter which side you play tackle, you need to stop edge rushers from all sides. So um, I, I think that I really like the idea of a prospect here, Jeremy, because both these guys seem like they, they could be there at 29. It doesn't right. seem like a stretch of the imagination just because I feel like there's a few other players in the mix along the offensive line that are more your blue chip prospects and your blue chip talent. The guys that'll go, you know, in the early teens and even in the top 10, um, it's just going to, it's just going to be a matter of which of those guys get squeezed all the way down to 29, but it would not shock me at all to see the lions go offensive line at 29. And and the the live audience, which is asking if any of these guys are related to Panay Sewell, uh, the answer is no. You're all thinking of BYU's Kingsley Suamataya, um, but um, he's another guy that I think a lot of people are are circling as as maybe a guy that that they take at 29, or if he slides into the second round, someone that again kind of has a little bit of that versatility as well. Yeah. Probably viewed a little bit more as a tackle than than some of the guys that we just talked about. All right, let's move over to the defense. And I think this is where it's going to get really interesting because there's a lot more, I think, needs on defense that makes it so much more varied for us to kind of talk about here. I'm going to start with a cornerback, not one of the top ones on the board. I I, I would love to talk about Quinion Mitchell, but I'm not really like what I'm I, I'm looking for a guy who I'm like trying to figure out, Jeremy Ryan, that will have some burst onto the scene with uh with the combine. I know he had very good senior bowl practices. I'm talking about fifth year senior from Notre Dame, Cam Hurt, cornerback. Uh Hurt really well impressed at the senior bowl. Um, I think last uh, at Notre Dame uh or in his career at Notre Dame, three forced fumbles, uh two interceptions, 17 passes defended. Um just Tall and long again, I think he's about 6'3", 210, but very fast. I think I was listening to um, some coverage from Brady Quinn and he thinks he can make probably see if he can make about like a 440 on the 40 yard time, maybe sub sub that Um, not really among the top CBs we have, Ryan, but the measurables should probably see him get a bit of a boost. Uh, he does need to work a little bit more in man coverage. I know he's a little more experienced as far as zone, but um, just clean, uh, clean footwork across the board. And just, again, someone I think could really see some stock rising here with the more drills and more visibility he gets with the combine. Yeah, I mean the Lions absolutely need a need need at least a corner, maybe mm-hmm. two. Who knows? We'll see how free agency goes. But yeah, I mean it seems like Cam Hart in terms of stock, we're talking like what uh, late day two, maybe early day three. Yeah, and I think with the way the Lions go with this draft, like just it's very easy for us to just pencil in CB at twenty nine, but. As we've talked about, there's a lot of ways they could go with this. And, you know, if they're not feeling the CBs in round one, they'll just gladly stick around and see what they can get in day two. And I think that's pretty much the sweet spot of where Cam Hart will go is as a day two pick. So All right. what do you have? What do you have, Ryan? Yeah. So my uh, first defensive player, um, no, no surprise. Both of my guys play the same position. Um, but uh, let's start with uh, Darius Robinson from from Missouri. Um, he edge player um, really had a breakout season this year uh, with with the Tigers. Here's I, I'm just I'm trying to prepare myself for this idea that there are going to be all these edge defenders that seem like they're making their way towards the bottom of the first round. Right. 
And it's not always where you get your impact edge players, right? Like your impact edge players are always going to be top 10 picks. That's how it goes, no matter what, every single year. So just with so many of these guys, like there's some other guys that we're going to get into too that um, the other guys named as far as uh, edge defenders. But uh, the thing I like about Darius Robinson is that he kind of screams like Dan Campbell and this kind of defense's mentality in terms of, you know, a really, really good run defender. And I know that's not the thing that anybody wants to hear uh, for a team that so desperately wants to and needs to get to the quarterback uh, quicker. But um, I saw some comparisons. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah said his evaluation is similar to Eric Armstead's coming out of college. He can do a lot of things well. You know, teams are going to have different visions for how to best use his abilities. Um, But like, I mean, big, long, versatile defensive lineman seems like a guy that the Lions would be interested in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he would fit in their plans with with a guy like Josh Pascal. And, and John Kaminsky already on the team, but like those right. are good. Does that seem redundant or not? Right. Like right. maybe you might go for a more athletic guy, but are those athletic guys available there at the end of the first round? That's the tricky part. And also it's very clear. They like those kind of guys, right? They would have, they have those guys around. They for have their reason. type. They like them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I'll stick with the, the defensive line, but go pure interior. This guy is not playing on the edge at all because he's an absolute monster. That's Tavondre Sweat. Uh, the def- nose tackle. Let's be clear. He's a nose tackle out of Texas because they He's have also him my marked- short list too. Yeah. They have him marked at 362 pounds. <laughs> he is a big boy. It's a Six lot of four, humanity. 362. He Bunch won the, in- the best interior defensive lineman in the country last year on that kind of revamped Texas defense that I believe ranked fourth in the country in run defense. And that like, if you're getting to sweat, that is what you're doing. Like you are getting an absolute run defender. Um, he, he's just, he's a, a pure disruptor. And the thing that I love about his game is that he can bull rush you into the backfield and, and get a TFL, but he can also two gap. Like he can stand there and just hold his ground because two, three people who, who is going to displace a 362 pounder like that. And again, like, I I read a really cool character story about this guy. Like he he was kind of a little bit of a partier earlier in his career. He's a college football player who isn't. Um, our good friend Bo Davis. You remember Bo Davis, Lions defensive line coach from not too long ago. Guess where he is now? Texas. There was hmm. a kind of viral video after Texas got blown out in 2022 of him chewing out the entire bus because someone was caught laughing after this blowout. You know who that was? It's Devondre Sweat. He was laughing after getting blown out. And you're like, oh boy, that's not the kind of player. Like I want a player who, when they lose, it's going to hurt them. Well, very much a turning point in that man's career in that like now he is fully locked in. He, he took that to heart. You know, a lot of people might get offended by that, might get, you know, angry at their coach, whatever, for getting chewed out like that. He, he took it. He, he owned it and turned his entire career around and became one of the best defensive linemen in the country last year. Now his teammates describe him as probably the nicest, softest down to earth guy, but also a very violent man on the field. And to top it all off, you know what? Can pass rush a little bit. 31 pressures last year because he is such a dominant guy. And so what I'm looking for at the NFL combine a lot, like, first of all, I'm absolutely curious how a guy who measured in at some point at 362 pounds, How's he going to move? How is that explosiveness? Does he have some of it? And also, how much is he actually going to come in and weigh in at? Because I imagine we we hear it all the time from these players. When you come to the NFL Combine, you are not testing to be an NFL player. You are testing to be an NFL Combine athlete. So how much is he going to put into dropping weight so that he can flash some of those athletic skills that that we did see at Texas? So I'm like, I'm fascinated by like he's the one guy where I want to make sure I'm watching all of his drills because I want to see how he moves. He's and I want to see if there if there is some of that pass rush potential or if you're seeing a 350 pound guy and being like, you know what? We're just going to make sure that we don't need to still cycle through guys like Isaiah Bugs and and, you know, Alu Alu. We don't need like we just got our nose tackle for the future with this guy. I think we all have some D linemen on here because I'm going to throw on another edge myself because I think. The most interesting prospect of what to do with 29 is putting another rusher opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. And I am I'm 
throwing this name out there. It's Demion Robinson, better known as Chop Robinson from Penn State, because I don't know how you guys feel about him, but he is completely across the spectrum as far as what other people say about him. I think Bruce Feldman had him on his freaks list, but then I've also seen like um, uh, Matt Miller said that he never had top 20 grades on Chop Robinson. He's about 45 to 50. It's very I, I don't know if I've seen a player as variable as Chop Robinson. And yet the two you know mock drafts I've read from NFL, both by Cynthia Freeland, who did a st- statistical analytical approach to the uh, to her draft and to Bucky Brooks, who we've had on the show before. Both of them mocked Chop Robinson at 29 to the Detroit Lions. And I, it, it's he's a very polarizing prospect. I think last year he clocked a, a four four seven on his forty yard time, but he actually ran a quicker shuttle to, uh, compared to. And of course, he's going to get compared to him, Micah Parsons. Um, he was a twenty twenty three first big team big uh, all Big Ten selection. About four sacks last year, five point five the year prior. Um, just a just a what's his measurables against six three two hundred over two hundred fifty pounds like. I think it's just the variability on where people are looking at at Chop Robinson and whether he's a freak or whether he's down near the 50 mark rather than top 20 is something that's going to make his draft his draft uh his draft capital very difficult to figure out because clearly if if draft experts are looking very differently on him. I've got to imagine teams are looking very differently on him. And I kind of want to get a better idea at the combine, what he shows, because I'd like to know how the lions think about a guy like chop Robinson. Is he someone who they could trust putting out there opposite Aiden Hutchinson? Is he a freak athlete or is he someone who's just more of a, you got to temper your expectations on him? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's the perfect candidate to, only see his stock go up from the combine because he doesn't have that size, right? Like that seems very much like in the James Houston size comparison, right? Like you know, six three under, two fifty under, right? Um, could be a fit for like a the Sam uh type role yep. if the Lions want to go that way. So mm-hmm. um certainly an interesting prospect to keep an eye on. Um I'll throw out my other defensive player before we uh clean up here with Jeremy. But um, my other player is a uh, local guy. So, you know, the, the Lions get so many, you know, extra local visits with with uh, with prospects and uh, Marshawn Neeland from Western Michigan um, is an interesting name that I came across. Um, another edge defender. Uh, the thing that's awesome about him and that I think makes him such a great fit for Detroit is. Again, he fits the type. Right. Like he's a like he's just like this John Kaminsky type in terms of rugged, powerful edge defender um, who like pretty much only wins by being able to like push through people. Again, it's awesome to have a guy like Terrell Williams come in, though, right? Like a guy who can maybe coach him up. Sure. But the thing I love about uh, Daniel Jeremiah's prospect rankings is uh, Neyland's right now. He's at he's at 49th um, out of the top 50 prospects. But uh, he did say this is how he ended his statement was uh, overall Neyland isn't a special athlete, but he reminds me of a Baltimore Ravens type player. He's tough, physical and plays with max effort. So it seems like you get a guy in here who maybe you can coach him up a little bit, but he's always going to give 110 percent. I mean, it, it the thing that I loved about that sentence was it's a Baltimore Ravens type player, but like. Maybe in five, six years, we're talking about how they're Detroit Lions state players. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anytime you see the words max effort in a college scout profile, like <laughs> alarm bells should be going off in your head saying, right, oh, Dan Campbell knows this guy's name. Yeah, yeah. Brad Holmes is aware of this guy, especially yeah. if he especially if he was a, a captain at any point during his collegiate right. career. But yeah, I, again, like I, I think that just it kind of speaks to what all of us are saying right now though, is like, there's so many different options 
and yeah. so many different routes that the Lions can take towards addressing their defensive line because we we talked about on the Q and A show, Jeremy. Like, do they view Aleem as that three tech guy? Well, if they do, then Tavondra Sweat makes a lot of sense. Sure. Um, even Sorry, if Broderick Martin, Martin <laughs> is, yeah, even if Broderick Martin is still on the roster, or hey, to to Chris's prospect with Chop Robinson, if they're looking for a guy to be more of a pure pass rusher, seems like that guy could, yeah. Could, you know, more so fit the mold, but there, there's a lot yeah. of ways they can go. Are you going to go speed? Because that's always chops big thing. Is it going to go like, what What do you value on the other side alongside Aiden Hutchinson? Good question. Well, let's move back to the edges of the defense and go back to cornerback. Obviously still hmm. a current need, um, but not necessarily one that's going to be a need once lines get there to the NFL draft. And we all know Brad Holmes doesn't draft for need anyways, but Let's be honest, a long-term need, whether they address it in free agency or not, is cornerback. And instead of going with the guys that a lot of you probably already know, like Ennis Rakestraw, who seems to be everyone's favorite mock to the Lions, or, or Quinion Mitchell, which is probably who's probably out of the Lions' reach at this point. Anyways, I'm going for a mid to potentially even late round prospect, because again, this is another polarizing guy. And that's Dwight McGovern uh, out of, well, he, he was most recently out of Ellis. I'm sorry. Most Sorry, certainly you, out of Arkansas. Do you, do you say it with the L or not? Is it McLuthern or McGuthern or? Great question. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> okay, um, I just want to make sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's early. Uh, Arkan- he played most recently played at Arkansas. Previous to that, he played at LSU. So you've got a guy who has played SEC ball right off the bat against some of the best receivers in the country. That to me takes notice. Uh, he also had the second best PFF coverage grade in last year. And that's with missing a couple games to a concussion. And interestingly enough, the Arkansas coaching staff made him re-earn his job back after the concussion. So he actually didn't become a starter right away after he was quote unquote fully healthy, but eventually he worked his way back into the starting lineup. Um, the, the issue I have with him, and, and it again goes back to the kind of question of like, what does this defense want to be? We saw them pivot a little bit more towards zone coverage last year then fall back towards more towards man coverage. Which one are they going to be this next year? Or are they going to be fluid depending on who they get? McGovern to me is, is, is very much more of a zone guy. He's got great instincts, great closing speed, but when it comes to man to man, I don't think he uses his size. He's a six foot two, one eighty-eight 88 guy probably needs a little bit more meat on the bone, but I don't feel like he utilizes that size, uh, to his full advantages as he should. Sometimes he's got good arm length. He he can, he can body people around. It's just the, the, I don't know if it's the instincts, the aggressiveness. I don't know what it is, but the man coverage skills aren't quite what I think they should be. But like the most intriguing thing to me about him is like, he's an absolute ball Hawk. He's got a ton of production in college. He's a former wide receiver in high school. So like he has those receiving skills. He's, he's basically like, I'm, I'm trying to think like he, don't don't worry about him being like an Amani or Warrior. <laughs> like if if the ball is in the neighborhood, he's going to make a play on it and more than likely come down with it. So um, to me, that's really his his superpower, if you will. Like just has a knack to catch the ball. And in terms of what I'm looking for, it's it's that short area speed. It, it's it's so that he can not lose the route right away at the release because that that's where he fell into trouble at times. They, they had him play a little bit more off ball rather than press coverage. And we know the Lions like to do at least a little bit of press coverage. So I'd like to see him improve that. But because he has the physical skill set there, I think he's capable of doing it. So maybe I don't know who the Lions quarterbacks coach is going to be to help him fix that. But um, maybe they they eventually hire one. Maybe it's just uh, going to be the, the defensive backs coach that they hired. But either way, I think I think. In terms of like a developmental pro prospect who probably isn't going to start right away, but I think has a physical tool set to, to potentially be a, a, a full-time starter. I think he's an interesting option. Anything else? Any other? So I was thinking about this, just, I don't know if he's on any other players you guys think of, can think of, like you just want to see there, maybe not even in regards to the lions. Not really. Like I'm, no. I'm right there with Jeremy about sweat though. Like just like sweat is more Googling, like, you know what his mm-hmm. nickname is? I do. Loaf. What is? And, oh, it's short, and it's short for meatloaf. <laughs> and uh, he also scored a touchdown in the Big Twelve Championship game as a tight end. Right. So <laughs> I remember that. I'm all about this guy. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Sweat's like one of my, one of the probably the biggest one I have. 
if, if you're never going to run a Lee McNeil at running back like I've been begging you to for I the know. past three years, <laughs> do it with Andre Sweat. Put both of them. I formation. Goal line. <laughs> Just huge NASCAR packages. Ugh. All right. I mean, well, imagine imagine they had done that on their penultimate drive against the uh, the 49ers on that run play that, that got stopped and forced them to use a timeout. Why are you why are you bringing this up? I'm just why are you bringing this up? I'm just saying like that would have advanced them to a part where they may have won the NFC championship game. He he's no. the missing piece. <laughs> that's mm. a running back running back to Vondre sweat. Yeah, that's the missing piece. That's right. Well, as what I alluded of, to what, what uh, stage of grief is Jeremy and Chris. <laughs> I don't know. Like this is this is something new on the spectrum. This is like we we've it's not Off even like madness. this isn't bargaining or even acceptance. This is just I don't what is that, that a Lee McNeil at running back. I think it is bargaining. I think NFC it is bargaining. <laughs> Pro- prove to me that I'm wrong. I can't. Exactly. <laughs> Well, as I alluded to, we will have first bite this week. We'll be going a dive up north, getting um, what's if there's not at least one poutine reference in there, I will be very disappointed. Please play up all the stereotypes about the gonna, uh, great CFL <laughs> prospects that we have coming here. I'm absolutely uh, not going to say a boot to our Canadian reporter. He might. He might. He might. How dare you? Um, I, I think anytime I say a word that has the uh, the British U in it, I think I'll. I'll make that clear. Like if I say the word color, I'll be like, but I said that for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we have that. We have midweek mailbag. That's right. Um, I apologize for the bit of delay getting up the podcast for the call in show. It was a bit of a uh, chonker this past week and um, Twitter spaces is continuing to degrade. So we are making some plans right now. But um, still Twitter spaces this week. We're, We're still doing a lot of busy stuff. We got a lot coming down the pike here. Closer and closer we get to the draft. Free agency before that. It's coming real fast. It's already the end of, of February. And Free agency that. is two weeks away. I know. Two. I know. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun. Anyway, let's get out of here. I'm Chris Perfett. That's Jeremy Reisman. Ryan Matthews. We'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.